Good evening. Our second Bible reading comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. And you can find it on page 1181. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and this way death came to all men, because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is God's word. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is John. Uh, no, just joking. My name is Ollie. Um, and I will be uh, sharing from God's Word tonight. Uh, so I'm going to pray and thank God for the time we've got, and then we'll make a start. So let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us both in your Word and that you spoke to us through Jesus. Uh, please help us now as we consider your word and your son, Jesus. Please pour your Holy Spirit out amongst us, convicting and encouraging us while we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, every year, Time magazine releases its list of the 100 most influential people for that year. And so it's definitely worth checking out and having a look at it. Uh, by and large, it's usually pretty good. You occasionally get the odd kind of curveball that gets thrown in there, like the, um, the time that Kanye West was somehow considered in the 100 most influential people for a year. I'm not sure how that happens, but somehow he is. But usually, the list is pretty good. And so what you find, though, is some people are so influential that they end up being on this list more than once. And so for five different years, five times, Steve Jobs has been considered in the 100 most influential people for a year. Uh, it's not hard to see why. So hands up if you have an iPhone. Hands up if you use an iPhone. 
So we'll just have a look around there. There's at least one in two, I reckon, if not more. It's not, it's not hard to see why he's considered so influential. Five times. Or what about Alta? I don't even need to tell you her surname for you to know who I'm talking about. She's appeared on the list nine times, nine times, nine different years. She's been considered in the top 100 most influential people for a year. It's quite amazing when you think about it, isn't it? She's famous because she hosts a TV talk show, and yet she's that influential. Or what about Obama, who's topped the list? He's appeared 11 times. For 11 different years, he's been considered one of the most influential people for that year. And so that's quite an obvious one, isn't it? Like, of course he is. He used to be the President of the United States. At his word, wars could start, peace could end, all kinds of amazing things. President of hundreds of millions of people. It's not hard to see why he's so influential. But as influential as all of those guys are, as influential as Steve Jobs, Oprah, Obama, we're looking at two people tonight who are way more influential, way more influential than most people. So influential, in fact, that they're the two most influential people ever. Why? Because these two people have impacted on every single person in the history of the world. Every gender, every age, every nationality, from every generation, ever. That's pretty influential, isn't it? And that includes us. Turn and look around here. Every single person you see here has been influenced by these two guys. Well, I mean, we might not like it. We might not have even known it until now. But every single person has been influenced by these two men. And so if that's the case, then don't you want to know why? Don't you want to know how? How have they influenced us? Well, as we look through, we'll see it, and we'll see that the two men have of influence. We'll see that the first one is responsible for us dying, and the second one is responsible for giving us hope and life. See, the first sinned and brought death, and the second died and brought life. There's never been any more influential people than these two men. And so the first one we look at, we'll see in verses 12 to 14, is Adam. And so we're going to use this tonight uh, to represent Adam. So I've got um, a nice jar for us here. In case you can't read sideways, it says Adam. So that is Adam. That's our first man. That's, the most, that's one of the most influential men ever. And so as we look at Adam, as we consider Adam, we'll see his action. We'll consider the scope. And we'll consider the result. Well, let's start. Look at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. So, what's Adam's action? Adam's action is that he sinned. Sin came into the world because of him. What's that talking about? Well, it's Genesis chapter 3, the passage we had read out for us before. Adam was in the garden and God said to him, you can eat from any plant, any tree in the garden except for that one. And so of course, which one did Adam want to eat from? He wanted to eat from that one. And he did. He sinned and disobeyed. And at that fateful moment, sin came into the world. All the wickedness, evil, pain, suffering we see in the world came in because of him. 
look around and we see evilness, when we see suffering, when we see tsunamis and earthquakes, when we see sickness, everything we see started with him. That's influential, isn't it? Steve Jobs didn't bring wickedness and evil, didn't start wickedness and evil and get it into the world. Obama didn't, Oprah didn't, only Adam. That's influential. So it's because of him that wickedness and evil are in the world. But much more terrifying than just the action is the scope. See, when he sinned, he sinned for everyone. He sinned for everyone. When he disobeyed, he disobeyed for everyone. He did it as our representatives. See, when God looks at him, God saw me. When God looked at him, God saw you. How does that work? Well, imagine that this is us. So imagine that all these bulls here are us. Uh, there's a manly kind of one here for me with a manly little face. Uh, there's a stylish hipster Asian with a new haircut for John and he's got sunglasses on. Uh, there is a uh, slightly balding one that's quite short for Chris. Um, imagine that there's one there for every single person in the world, including you. Every single person is in the, ball, in the jar. And so what happened was as Adam was sinning, we were in him. So we're inside him. So imagine, here goes me. I'm in Adam. As he sins, I'm in him. Here's John and Chris. In him. Malcolm Turnbull. In him. Every single person. Here's my old school teacher. Uh, here's my lovely wife, Cassie. Uh, here is uh, the guy down the fish and chip shop. Every single person in the world is inside of Adam. So there's a bill here for you, and you are in the jar. So as Adam was sinning, he was representing us, because we were inside him. When God looks at him, he saw us. So as influential as Obama might be, as influential as Steve Jobs might be, they're still just balls in the jar. No one is not in the jar. As influential as we might become, even if we cure cancer, even if we solve world hunger, as influential as we might become, we're still just balls in the jar. That's influential. It's because of him that we're sinful. And so we might not like it, we might not know it, but that's it. We're in the jar. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel that you're included in there, that when God looks at you, he sees you as sinful because of this man? Doesn't that feel unfair? How does that make you feel? See, I suspect to our Western individualistic minds, it's quite a horrifying thing to think, to think that I'm guilty because of someone else. I'm sinful because of someone else. It's such a horrifying thing. I want to be the master of my own destiny. How dare someone else speak for me? How dare someone else do something that impacts on me? But when we think about it, it actually happens quite a lot, doesn't it? It actually happens quite a lot that someone else speaks for me and someone else makes decisions for me. For example, um, my wife Cassie moved to Australia when she was eight. 
So her parents did not gather the family together and make it have a discussion and get the input and decide whether they'd move to Australia or not. They just made a decision. And so based on their decision, her whole family moved here. Whether they liked it or not, for good or bad, she's here because of her parents. Although obviously it worked out well for her because if she hadn't have moved here, she wouldn't have found such an amazing husband. But that's beside the point. But again, another example. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you did not have an input on when you were born. Your parents did not consult you when you were born. You did not get to give your wisdom and input into when you were born. You were brought into being by someone else's actions. Your very life came about because of someone else's actions. So it happens all the time. People are always making decisions, doing things that impact on us. And so whether we like it or not, when Adam sinned, it impacted on us. We were inside Adam, and so we're guilty. See, it's because of him that we're all guilty. Adam sinned for all. The reality is, though, that even if we dislike that, we have no excuse, do we? So the reality is, no one's holding a gun to my head when I sin. No one's saying to me, Ollie, you better lie here. Oh, if you don't get angry at someone when they cut you off in the car, I'm going to shoot you. Honk that horn, yell at them. No one's forcing me to do it, I do it myself. So even if we might not like it, even if we might not be happy that we're in Adam, we really have no excuse anyway, because we sin anyway. But that's our situation. Adam sinned for all. As kind of horrifying as that is, as bad as that is, it keeps getting worse. Because when we look at the result, that's the worst bit yet. What was, that? What was the result of Adam's sin? Adam sinned and thought death for all. See, that was the result of Adam's sin. Adam thought death to all. Because of Adam, here's, up, here's me, because of Adam, this is what I've got waiting for me. Because of Adam, we die. That's what happens, isn't it? That's the result we've got coming. Because of him, we die. I die. You die. Every single person around us dies. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It's quite a sobering thought. Think about it. Where are you off to tomorrow morning? Where are you going to? Going to uni, going to school, going to work, going to the gym, going shopping? Wherever you go tomorrow, whoever you see is going to die. That kid at school who you've literally never heard speak, who always hands his work in on time, is going to die. That lady on the train across from you who's talking so loudly into her phone that you can basically hear everything she's saying, she's going to die. That workmate who never responds to emails, he's going to die. Well, maybe he deserves it. The guy, the guy across, from, the lady across from me at the shopping counter, she's going to die. Every single person I see tomorrow is going to die. That's what's waiting for them. Every single person. And it's because of Adam, and it's because of what Adam did. It's because of Adam's sin. See, every single person is going to die because of him. Such a sobering thought. Such a horrifying thing. 
such a hopeless and bleak situation that we're in. Adam, our representative, sinned for all, and so now we'll die. Such bad news. Why did it have to be him? Why did he have to do such a bad job? So it's because of him that we're hopeless. Or at least, we would be if it wasn't for that little bit at the end of verse 14. Did you see what it said? Have a look. Adam is a pattern of the one to come. See, there's someone else involved. Another influential man. See, although Adam sinned and brought death to all, there's a second man who died and brought life to those who receive it. See, if there's to be any hope, if there's to be any chance, we need another jar, we need someone else that we can be in, someone that we can be under that gives us hope. Someone not like the first, someone who obeyed instead of disobeyed, someone who brings life instead of death. That's what we need. And that's what we get in Jesus. See, Jesus, the second man, is our possibility. While the first man sinned and brought death to all, the second man died and brought life to those who receive it. See, just like with Adam, we see an action, we see a result, and we see the scope. But the two couldn't be any more different. They couldn't be any further apart. And starts with the action. Adam sinned and brought death, whereas Jesus obeyed. And we find out that this action is considered a gift. Have a look at verses 15 to 17. Particularly 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. Well, verse 16, and the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. See, it's a gift. Being inside this jar is a gift. This particularly speaks to me. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the five love languages. So if you've done a marriage course, you probably have. But basically the gist is that everyone shows love in one of five different ways. And that is uh, physical contact, uh, words of affirmation, acts of service, uh, one other one, and then gifts. And so gifts is obviously my one, and so I love gifts. Anytime anyone gives me a gift, I feel extremely loved. Christmas gifts, random gifts, birthday gifts, any kind of gift. Anytime Cassie gives me a gift, anytime you give me a gift, you're welcome to give me gifts. I will accept them and feel loved. But so this speaks to me, this hits home to me that this representative is a gift. It's not about me earning it. It's not about me doing anything for it. All I do is accept and receive this gift. Jesus' actions are a gift. And then on top of that, we kind of find out what, it, what these actions actually are. See, if you were to be gifted someone as your representative, who would you choose? Who would you want it to be? For me, I'd want it to be someone who was perfect, someone who was always kind, always loving, always gentle, always patient. Someone perfect. That's who I'd want to represent me. That's who I'd want to be gifted to me as a representative. And that's exactly what we see in Jesus. That's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus perfectly did good. Jesus perfectly obeyed, even to the point of death. Have a look at verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. See, Adam disobeyed God. He sinned. And as he did it, he took us with him. 
We were in the jar as he sinned. And so now we're sinful. But Jesus is the opposite. Jesus obeyed. Jesus perfectly obeyed. And it culminates in the cross. The place where the perfectly obedient man, the innocent man, went to die for those inside the jar. For those who were sinful. See, Jesus, the innocent man, went and hung there, feeling the shame and the scorn, feeling the pain of the nails through his hands, feeling God's anger poured out on him, the undeserving, perfectly obedient, innocent man. See, it's on the cross where we see Jesus' ultimate act of obedience. And so because of that, Jesus is the perfect representative See, who else would we want to represent us? Who else could we want to represent us except for Jesus, the one who perfectly obeyed? How incredible is that? In our Bible study, as we've been thinking about Romans and working through uh, the chapters, when we got to this one, we found it quite difficult. We felt, we felt that kind of weight of it seeming unfair, seeming unfair that we are inside this jar, that we're in here, and because of Adam, we're guilty. But as we were working on this passage and as we were thinking about it, we kind of came to realise something. Do you know what we realised? We realised that actually it is unfair, isn't it? It is unfair. But not in the way we thought it was. It is unfair that an innocent man should represent us. An innocent man should die for us. That's way more unfair than me being in the jar. How unfair is that? How incredible is that? That an innocent man would go and die for me, a sinner. How incredible. See, that's way more influential than Obama or Oprah or Steve Jobs, isn't it? That because of this man, we can have hope. Because of his obedience, because of what he's done, we can have hope. See, who has that kind of influence over humanity? Who has, it, who has that kind of influence to give hope and life to humanity? Because that's what we see next in the result. The result of Jesus' action is so opposite to Adam. It's so different to Adam. Adam brings death, whereas Jesus brings life. Have a look at verses 17 and 18. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. See, because of Adam we're hopeless, but because of Jesus we can have hope. Because of Adam, we've got judgment coming. But because of Jesus, we can have our relationship with God fixed. Because of Adam, we have death and destruction waiting. But because of Jesus, we can have hope. See, who has that kind of influence? No one. No one has that kind of influence. Except for Jesus. But only if we're in the jar. Only if we move from that jar to that jar. So how do we move? How do we make sure that we're not in this jar with destruction and death coming? We saw that this one's just automatically there. That's what we're born into. That's what we're like. Is it the same with Jesus? We just automatically transfer across. Everyone's included in that jar. Is that how it works? 
Well, have a look at verse 17 again, and we'll see what it says. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? See, is it for everyone? No. It's only for those who receive it. It's only for those who move from this jar to this jar. See, it's not for everyone. Unless we move from that jar to that jar, we still have destruction and death waiting. We still have this waiting for us. But if we move, then we change. If we move, if we receive it, we change from one of these balls that has death and destruction waiting to a ball that has hope and life. Because that's what the one man achieved. We no longer have death and destruction waiting for us if we move from that jar to that jar. Instead, we have life. See, Adam sinned and brought death for all. But Jesus died and brought life. But only for those who receive it. Only for those who receive it. Will we accept it? Will we move from that jar to that jar? Will we accept this incredible gift of life? Because with him, with Jesus, and only with Jesus, can we have hope. With him, and only with him, can we have life. Now, how does it influence us then? How do these two most influential people of all time influence us? Well, if we move from this jar to this jar, then that's the only way we can have peace. That's the only way we can have our life taken care of. If we move from this jar to this jar, see, it's because of Jesus that we can have peace. It's because of Jesus that we can have hope. It's quite an incredible thing to have destruction taken away from you, to have death taken away from you. And that's how we can have peace. And so as we close, I want to share with you the testimony of a guy called John Newton. So lots of us might know who John Newton is. Uh, for those of us who don't know, John Newton was a famous pastor who was the author of lots of famous songs, but particularly the famous song Amazing Grace. And so John Newton started off very clearly in this jar. So, so he was in this jar and he knew he was in this jar. So he worked as a sailor, and so basically that meant he split his time between beer, women, sailing and swearing, uh, just the kind of Pirates of the Caribbean or something. He was in here, he knew he was in here, rough and tumble sailor. On top of that, he was constantly neglecting his duties, constantly running away from his duties. Uh, he once got captured and press ganged into the Navy, so forced to sail in the Navy ship, uh, which he then deserted from, got caught and put in jail again. So this was the last guy you'd expect to be in this jar. He was here and he knew he was here. In fact, so much did he know he was here. This is a quote of his. In his own words, he said, he sinned with a high hand and made it his study to tempt and seduce others. So in other words, he loved sinning. He was in the jar. And not only did he love sinning himself, he loved tempting others to sin. This was a man who was in here and knew that he was in here. One day, though, he was on his ship. He was sailing. And a storm hit. 
was a, the storms in those days were bad enough, but this was an old ship, run-down ship, and it quite literally started falling apart in the storm. Bits of it were falling off. If you're ever on a boat in a storm, um, bits are falling off. It's not a good situation to be in. So he knew that this was not good. And so in the storm, with the waves smashing against the boat, with his life flashing before his eyes, realising that he was in the jar, realising what a bad situation was in, he called out to God for mercy. He said, God, show mercy. Please save me. In God's mercy, God saved him from the storm. It was about an eight-hour storm, and God saved him from it. And so after that, he was reflecting, and he was thinking, why did I call out to God for mercy? And so he started looking into it, and that's when he discovered this jar. That's when he discovered Jesus and the gospel. And so he committed his life to Jesus. He received that gift. So he moved from this jar to this jar. And as he did, all of his past life was gone. All of the guilt, all of the old lifestyle was gone. And so this peace and this incredible relief that he felt is captured quite amazingly in the words of Amazing Grace. So I'm just going to read out two verses. They're not in order. Uh, there's the first verse and one of the other verses. But as, we, as I do, have a think about, just picture that. He's basically describing the move from this jar to this jar. So this is, this is how it goes. It goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, that saved someone like me in this jar. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Yes, when this, yeah, when this flesh and heart shall fail, when I die, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. See, that captures what it's like to move from this jar to this jar. That's what we have waiting for us, a life of peace and joy. But only if we're in here. There's only two options. Either we're in here and we have destruction and death coming. Or we're in here and we have joy and peace coming. We are one with Adam. The one who sinned and brought death. Will we be one with Jesus, the one who died and brought life? I'm going to pray and ask God that he'd help us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus the perfect representative who came and obeyed and died for us. We thank you that because of Jesus we can have life, because of Jesus we can have hope. We thank you that you've given us a way to get out of the first jar, that you've given us a way to get out of Adam's representation. Please help us to receive it with open arms to make that move from the first jar to the second jar. And please comfort us, help us to feel the peace and joy that we now have as one of those under Jesus, the perfect representative. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.